You know, when I first met you, Ebony, you were wearing a Spock skirt. You had made. <laughs> yeah, that I made. That I made. And um, I was just learning how to sew. And in fact, this is, you know, what, 10 years ago now? I have not gotten any better. So that's, that Spock skirt remains probably the highlight. <laughs> Welcome to a new episode of the Star Trek Discovery Recap Freecast. Anita's stuck in the Gamma Quadrant tonight fighting off the board, so I've got a reserve officer from Starfleet Medical to help me unpack tonight's episode of Star Trek Discovery. She is a slightly delusional Star Trek fangirl and an international spy with clearly no sense of discretion since she told me she was an international spy. <laughs> Welcome, Francine, everybody. Francine, Hi. how you doing? I'm fine, hiding in plain sight. Girl, whatever. Whatever you need to tell yourself. <laughs> you need to explore a new career change. Uh, so, listen, I have been friends with Francine for a long time. Um, we got to know each other through Star Trek fandom. And so I've been wanting to have her on the Recap Freecast forever. Finally figured out a way to make it happen. Anita is off breeding triples. This is our week. I fully expect people will fall in love with you the way that I have fallen in love with you. And they'll be like, Ebony, you need to not be on this show anymore. Anita and Francine needs to host it. Too bad, people. That's not going to happen. This is my show. Oh, now, you're sweet. Uh, okay, so before we head down to 10 Forward for a tasty tipple of Volcadale, I want to remind everyone that we can only keep delivering these piping hot Star Trek takes to the airwaves, thanks to your support. So please pitch in a few bucks at d.rip slash femfreak to help us keep making all of our great podcasts. On this week's show, we'll be giving you our thoughts about Point of Light, episode number three of Star Trek Discovery's second season. The official recap for the show reads, A surprise visitor to the USS Discovery brings shocking news about Spock and dredges up past regrets from Burnham. Following the asteroid incident, Tilly struggles to keep a grip on her reality. Lorel's authority on Konos is threatened. Francine, you just yes. finished watching the episode. I just finished watching the episode. Yeah. Tell me what you thought. Tell me what you thought. What did I think? Okay, so my 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 level one diagnostic of this was... Um, Yo, you know, smooth segue. Thank you. Thank you. I've been trying to get new segment titles into the podcast. Anita hasn't been. She's like, yeah, maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't work. And I'm like, yo, the people are going to love it. So shout out. Okay. So um, it was a very busy episode. Yes. Right? Yes. So there were how many different plot lines? I think four. We had Tilly with her yep. hella annoying ghost. Yes. We yes. had Tyler and Laurel. Uh-huh. We had Amanda and uh, Burnham. Burnham. Yep. And How then at the that? end, and oh. then at the end, uh, you know, Giorgio section thirty-one. Giorgio section thirty-one. And recruiting Tyler. Yeah, I also felt like there was quite a lot going on in this episode, and I wasn't entirely sure that it was all stitched together cohesively. Right. 
Right. And and don't forget the seven signals and the red angels also running undercurrent with this as well. So you know, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Are Do you tend to prefer? Oh, and let me let me back up. Whenever we have a special guest on a show of which I am part, inevitably, I will get comments from people saying, Ebony, you talk too much <laughs> and you need to let your guest talk more. And I'm like, yo, I know, but I just get so excited. So I want you, Francine, my good friend, to feel free to talk over me in a way that perhaps other special guests do not. I, I don't even know where I was going at that point. I, I interrupted myself and completely derailed my train of thought. Oh, what I was going to ask you was, do you tend to prefer, and I'm talking specifically about Star Trek now, do you tend to prefer one-off kind of like self-contained episodes or are you digging kind of like the longer season-long narrative arcs? Like if you were to, you know, if you had to choose, which do you tend to prefer? You know, I see, I I can't answer that uh, because I I like both. I liked Mm -hmm. the standalone um, uh, episodes of, uh, the original series, but I also like the, the long, dark conspiracies of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, same. And um, you do need a little bit of an arc for characters, um, and it, and it's it it can be difficult to do that in little standalone episodes. Um, but I, I can't I can't decide. Uh, what I what I like better, standalone or the the story arc in the first season of Discovery, um, there wasn't. I mean, there was a a story arc, but it wasn't. It, it didn't overwhelm the entire series. Like I sensed these first three episodes of uh, second season of Discovery, um, it, it is heavily a uh, story arc at this point. First season, lots of little standalone episodes. I mean, we had the running theme of the Klingon War, um, and uh, and I really loved the alternate universe. Uh, but it still didn't feel like you know a super heavy uh, arc that you had to follow super closely, and if you missed something, um, you were going to get lost. I have a sense this season, at least with these first two episodes, three episodes, actually, um, got to pay attention. I, I'm going to have to watch this third episode again because I know I missed a few things. You know, I'm I'm already thinking that I need to go back to the first episode mm-hmm. of this season. In fact, I definitely, girl, okay, I'm the worst, you know, like week by week, I just let you know, stuff dissipate from my brain. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely need to go back at least to um, episode one and just remind myself what was going on with like um, Burnham's hallucination of the red angel. But also I have so little memory of the ending of season one, apart from the amazing costuming of the mirror universe. Oh my God. <laughs> that, that like that every time they mention seven signals this season, I'm like, wait, what? 
Oh, right. Okay. And I have to remind myself what it is. But you know what? Like, I, I jumped into this. I jumped into this too quick. I think it will be useful for people who don't know you, i.e. everyone who's not me listening in, to for us to talk a little bit about your history with Star Trek fandom, you know, your favorite of the series, if it if that's not too much like trying to ask somebody what their, who their favorite child is. <laughs> um, but because I think it will give us some, like you know, necessary context for the discussion to come about discovery because both you and I are, and Anita is too, you know, the, the um, missing Anita hardcore Star Trek fans, but your level of fandom makes mine looks amateurish, you know, like you go deep. Well, I do. I, I go deep in story. I go deep in character. Um, I, and you've been I, doing this for a while, so tell us a little bit about your history with the fandom oh, and, okay. and where you are. So um, I, I'm old enough to um, have watched uh, Star Trek in the 70s. I'm not quite old enough to see have seen it um, when it was first run, but I did see it in, uh, during the, um, what do they call it, reruns. Oh, gosh, reruns. Like the initial syndication? The initial syndica- uh, syndication, Yes. Yo, but and, you used to have to like wait for stuff on a certain day of the week, you know, um, a certain time. You couldn't just call it up, stream it, children. Exactly. There was commercials. You had to sit through them shits. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I'm i a military kid, so um, I spent a lot of time in um, the Pacific Islands. And so on the base, sometimes we only had one or two channels. So it was always, uh, uh, <laughs> and, and Star Trek was on quite a lot. It, maybe it wasn't on quite a lot, but in my memory, in my little child's mind, I watched Star Trek a lot. Um, and, um, so anyway, my mom was actually the big Star Trek fan. Um, and since I loved anything my mother loved, I liked Star Trek too. And as I got older, um, you know, it went off the air. Um, I was an undergrad when um, Next Gen came on, um, and I was determined not to watch it because I was so loyal to the original series. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. And there were no Vulcans on um, yeah. Next Generation. And um, once I... I um, graduated and started working and got in the world, I started watching uh, Next Generation in syndication. And by then, you know, it was the dominoes of of all of the new Star Trek series, you know, after Next Gen, then Mm -hmm. came Deep Space Nine, and around the same time or very soon after came Voyager, and then a few years went by came Enterprise. So um, is that answering the question? I, I, I have a long history, I think, uh, with Star Trek goes back really literally 50 years. Um, mm-hmm. I write fan fiction. Um, I was experiencing a terrible writer's block when my mother passed away suddenly uh, a little over a decade ago. And my husband at the time couldn't console me. But he knew I liked this very strange space show. He's from a third world country, so he didn't know Star Trek from nothing. And he bought the DVDs for me. And the music, the colors, the sound. I hadn't watched the original series in 20 years. And what it called up for me was the time that I spent with my mother sitting on the couch watching the show as, as a very small child. 
And so I just started getting back into it. It was a way to soothe my grief. It was a way to break through that terrible writer's block because I started writing fan fiction. I had not heard of fan fiction ever, um, even when I started watching the show again. And I knew that there was this thing that I needed to do to, um, uh, you know, I was so completely obsessed with the the show, um, in particular the original series, but I didn't know where to, what to do with that and where to put it. And then I heard about fan fiction and started reading fan fiction and like 99% of it was horrible. And I thought mm-hmm. <laughs> I could do that. So I started, started writing, and, and so I thought, you know, I didn't start writing because I thought, oh, I can do better than that, but I thought, I like this. The universe is all set for you. The characters are all set, um, and for someone with writer's block, that was a godsend, and I was always in love with Spock. I always thought Uhura was the most beautiful woman in the world, and I always thought that they should be together, and so in my fiction, I put them together. Yeah. And so that's what I write my blog. I haven't posted uh, any stories since Leonard Nimoy died. <laughs> it was so sad. Yeah. Um, but um, press pause on the podcast, people, and pour a little out for the man. No one did it better. Nobody did it better. Yeah. Loved him. You know, when I first met you, Ebony, you were wearing a Spock skirt. You had made. Yeah, that I made. <laughs> that I made. And um, I was just learning how to sew. And in fact, this is, you know, what, 10 years ago now? Yeah. I have not gotten any better. So <laughs> oh that, that Spock skirt remains probably the highlight. <laughs> um, I got my picture taken with Mr. Nimoy while I was wearing the Spock skirt, although you can't see it in the photo. But yeah, I mean, like I found you, uh, you know, I don't know, but I would be surprised if he did because (laughs) my affect in that moment was so like, I was broadcasting love and, you know, like overwhelming devotion. So if he was able to look beyond the whites of my eyes, I would be surprised. (laughs) Like I was, I was there, there was nothing else in the room except my just like heart eyes um, for Mr. Nimoy. But okay, so that's that's your background to this day, um, or rather at this current moment. Is the original series still your favorite? Yes, it is. The original mm-hmm. series. I, I will ever be loyal to the uh, the original series um, again because I am a huge Spock fangirl. Um, it was the series, I mean, we've never seen anything like it. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, uh, of African-American women and women of color talk about the, uh, seeing Nichelle Nichols on the bridge, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they're, you know, not just as window dressing or, or as, as the maid or, uh, you know, something that was insulting, uh, to the power of women, you know, she was there with the guys and in general, the old, usually the only woman, she would talk back to the captain if she needed to, she knew her job um, and she held her own and I wanted to be her. Uh, yeah. And I haven't really connected with a character like that until Janeway on Voyager. 
Now, Voyager, Mm -hmm. I have to admit, was my least favorite of the series because I just, there were two. Anita, (laughs) do you hear that? Anita, (laughs) I'm not alone. (laughs) Excuse me, please continue. No, because there were the least number of characters on there that I actually liked. I only liked like a couple of them. You know, Tuvok, of course, only because he was Vulcan, but he was also a very good Vulcan. Um, But Captain Janeway... Um, on my probably second run through of this series, I started to notice her. And then I went to a Star Trek convention and she was there. It was one of the first times I'd seen her in person. And someone asked her a question, a young woman asked her a question about what she should, you know, uh, um, how she admired Janeway and, and did Kate have any advice to give her on, you know, how to be successful and how, you know, as a woman uh, in um, a field that was stereotypically male, this young woman wanted to be an engineer or something like that. And the answer that Kate gave was just so profound. I completely fell in love with her. And I tell people all the time that I switched favorite captains from Kirk to Janeway, even though Voyager is not my favorite series. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, Janeway is my favorite captain because I fell in love with Kate Mulgrew. Right, <laughs> Isn't that right. But, I mean, I, but think about it. That little skinny girl with the big boobs mm-hmm. and the big hair, she was pretty badass. And I think that um, Kate Mulgrew is the same way uh, in real life. Just gracious wow. and and bright and funny and strong and you know she talks about how she had to you know do battle with people uh, over being an actress um, and not a stay at home mother with her boys. Mm-hmm. Even fans would ask these really uncomfortable, uh, borderline sexist questions. You know, on do you feel badly not staying home with your children? Right. You know? Yeah, I think, you know, um, the there was always that question lurking in the mind um, or lurking in the background of the cultural conversation about um, about Janeway as a captain um, and that lurks in the background of any conversation about a senior officer in these shows, which is, where is your family? And of course, no one is asking that question about Kirk or Picard or any other senior member of staff that happens to be male. Right. Right. But with, but with a female, it's, you know, why aren't you having children? Um, Or if you do have children, why have you decided to, to place your career above them? You know, it's, it's the same questions that we ask, you know, women, you know, in, in real life. But I I love that you, um, you talked about Uhura, you talked about, um, uh, Janeway, because it's a perfect jumping off point to then head back into this episode. Um, because we do get one of the things that I do love about Discovery. And so listeners to the show will know that <laughs> Anita and I spend most, <laughs> most weeks peeing ourselves laughing about how much crazy stuff has gone on in these episodes and why it just doesn't work for us. Uh You know, it's rare that we have been enjoying episodes, although we both really loved last week's episode. Uh Um, But 
one of the things that this show has consistently done well is give us some amazing female characters yes. and be completely unapologetic about it. Like you look at the bridge crew, you look at Giorgio, yes. you look at Laurel, like this show is insistent um, upon keeping women at the forefront. Um, and I absolutely love that. And it, I love that it doesn't appear to be changing. And that's actually one of the reasons why, you know, at the end of the show, when we, um, you know, we get uh, narrative plot point, you know, number 27 or whatever, um, with Giorgio recruiting Tyler to be in uh, Section 31, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, like, is Section 31 going to be a big deal this season? How do I feel about that? And my fear is that given what Section 31 represents, which is a sort of covert special ops um, wing of Starfleet, mm-hmm. that the the vision of that that we're going to get is going to be more testosterone heavy, you know, like more for lack of a better term, like just more dude. So I hope we don't get that because I want there to be badass shit on the show. I just don't want it to be only given to the dudes. Well, do. see, I, I, I'm hoping that Georgia um, uh, just sort of keeps that dude heavy thing from happening. I mean, I don't see yeah. her letting that happen. And um, I, I, I have some thoughts about uh, Giorgio. And what what mm-hmm. her uh, intentions are? I cannot say her last name, so I'm going to borrow her nickname, which was slightly insulting and diminutive, but I really like it. Um, but Lorca mm-hmm. called her Pippa uh, for Philippa. I like that. Or you can call her the Empress. The Empress. So let's one. let's call the her the Empress because okay, that's okay. who she really is, and that is absolutely mm-hmm. not going to change. Fuck Section Thirty One. Fuck the Federation. Yeah. She has already put her mark on Laurel. Yo. Okay. So like she went in there and said, she, she went in there and was like, Laurel was like, I'm not going to give up my husband. I'm not going to give up my son. And Georgia was like, yo, did you think I was asking you a question? Right, like, right. This is not, I'm not offering you choices, homie. You know, exactly. I like, Georgia came in from the mirror universe, didn't take no naps, didn't fuel up with her Wheaties, just got to work. Okay. It's been like nine months. Is she? She okay? So she's a member of Section Thirty One, and I have no doubt, absolutely no doubt, that she is using Section Thirty One for her own ends. Like oh, no the, shit. the notion. Oh my god! Advancing like you know, from, you know, higher level Star Trek cons. Y'all, if you fell for that, you're dumber than I think. Oh, all right. She, she is definitely. She she's already got another empire all set up for yeah. her. The Klingon Empire. She's already got Laurel. Telling her people to call her mother, just like Yo. she was like with, with Burnham. I fell out. I know. I fell I out. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you know that that's another thing she brought over from from the uh, Terran universe. And uh, but, right. But let me back up too because uh, uh, the Empress was on for the show for what like seven minutes, and we had yeah. what uh, two severed heads. Uh, mm. one thrown in a volcano. Can we talk about the Klingon baby head? <laughs> they, I was so upset because they kept showing that baby head. Okay, you and know what? I was like, I was like, Laurel, put it back in the drawer. Um, this is not okay. I can't keep looking. And the baby was so cute. 
you know? So the fact that they had that little doll head. I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, first of all, Klingon Baby Head is the name of my new band, for one thing. I want to be a bass player okay, in that band. Okay, you be a bass player for Klingon okay. Baby Head. But also, you know, as badass and truly evil uh, the Empress is, did you see her making goo-goo mm-hmm. eyes at the Klingon Baby? I did. Okay. I, how could you not? That was a cute little gray baby. Yeah, it was a cute little gray baby. But, you know, that was a little out of character for her. So it kind of make, made me wonder a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah, well, there is that. Um, there also, it was one of the few moments we got this week um, that harkened back to the kind of lightness of tone and humor that we've been getting for the past two episodes. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of folks have talked about this sort of, lightening of the tone mm-hmm. this season. And there was very little of that in evidence this episode, except for those very small moments like that one yes. um, with Giorgio. So yeah. let's, let's talk about Tilly and May. Yes. So last week I talked about it and, and Anita uh, mentioned as well that we weren't quite sure where the episode wanted us to fall down uh, on, uh, on May because we don't know when we first see her that she's, you know, not really there, that she is a product of Tilly's imagination. We assume she's just another like fun, peppy, cheerful crew member. Um, but then the the big reveal that happens when she calls Tilly Stilly, mm-hmm. the lift doors on the bridge close and you just think, oh, shit. You know, right. I mean, there's there's more than a small moment of terror there where you're like, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. And so I fully expected the show to um, to go further in, in that direction, um, to have um, May be a kind of, you know, malicious force. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's not what we get, at least not initially in this episode. We do see her kind of tormenting Tilly with her omnipresence to the point where Tilly is unable to, you know, complete her duties on the bridge during the shadow exercises and and abruptly quits the the junior command program. And I was so mad because it took Tilly so much to get there. And right then I was like, man, I'm gonna beat your ass because Tilly is my favorite character on this show. Yes. You know? Um, But then I was kind of disappointed uh, as we figure out who May actually is. Annoying, evil poltergeist. Right. (laughs) And the the show did that thing that drives me absolutely around the bend when this happens in TV show and movies, whereby a character who is behaving in a puzzling way, rather than have someone simply ask them, what do you want? Why are you doing this? (laughs) The, the, The script pointedly avoids having that explicit question be asked. And so the reveal can come later, right? right? So May keeps saying, you know, like, no, this is not the plan. You know, like, now I need a new plan. This is not what I wanted. Come on, Tilly, we need to figure out, you know, how to get what we wanted. At no point do we see Tilly going, wait, what What do you want? I mean, wouldn't that help them solve the fucking issue if they were just like, May, why are you here? Exactly. Why are you here? Why did it take you so long to reveal yourself to me if I was such a good influence on you when you were a child? Thank you. 
So. Thank you. Also, Tilly, why did you not talk to Stamets? If Stamets was like, yo, I was on the spore drive, saw a ghost of my dead husband, but I know that it's not actually a ghost. I know actually I saw him. Once you had your little poltergeist experience, wouldn't Stamets be your first point of call and be like, hey, guess what? Twinsies, uh, I also have a ghost. Yeah, but he did, you know, sort of tell her to leave him alone. So... Yeah. Does anyone listen to Stamets on that show? What'd no. you say? No, 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 what, listen, does anyone listen to Stamets? No, no, they don't. Do what you want with Stamets. What did they? What did uh, May call him? Shorter, shorter, blonder, whiter. <laughs> I love Stamets. So good. Though I really enjoyed him last season. I enjoyed his his sarcasm uh, and his intellect, and he's just such an interesting looking man. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. uh, if he's wearing contacts because either his eyes are super dark blue or they have these sort of weird contact lenses on on him because they change um, when he's in the spore driver, when he's, you know, doing something. But anyway, I like Stamet. I have no idea. Write into the show and tell us whether Anthony Rapp is wearing contacts or if in fact Francine is seeing things <laughs> might be seeing um on her on her bootleg TV that fell off the back of a truck. <laughs> so um but no like so tell me what what were you most interested in in this episode? Like what's sticking with you? I mean granted it's only been like an hour and a half since we both finished the episode, but but what's sticking with what's you? What's sticking with me is how easily manipulated Laurel seems to be. She's easily, maybe not necessarily manipulated, but influenced by her emotions. Um, The other Mm -hmm. thing that sticks out to me is Cole's treachery and, you know, Klingon's um, treachery is not something that's necessarily dishonorable with Klingons, but Klingons wouldn't stab you in the back. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. The you know, and I I don't feel like it I, it was in character for a Klingon to steal a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I I think that Cole would have killed Laurel if he wanted to be Chancellor versus kidnap her baby and um, electrocute her and um and her, what did they do? He had some weird device that paralyzed her and Tyler and. Yeah, but luckily a Giorgio could just, she, she, you know, she, she knew what to do <laughs> with this it. thing. Yeah, she <laughs> just picked it up. Just flip it off and then undo the damage. Undo the damage, exactly. Magically. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm not a feeling like the, the Klingon culture is consistent with what it was actually in, in the first season and just Klingon culture in general. But, but that's, that's, that. That's been um, a, a consistent problem or a consistent comment that people have made of Discovery, right? Like this version of the Klingons seems so different from anything that we've gotten before um, with the Klingons. I mean, it, regardless of like the appearance of the Klingons in this show, which is vastly different from any iteration we've seen before, Um yeah, the the way in which Klingon culture is presented in this show is something quite new. And I still, I don't feel as if the showrunners quite have a handle on what to do with the Klingons and why they're there. Right. They are so vitally important. And yet I don't think they really know how to 
you know, uh, sort of weave the Klingons into this show or build a show around it. Because, yeah, like you say, it, it seems just like wildly inconsistent. If you've watched any other version of Star Trek, you're like, I don't recognize this. You know, but even if you have only seen Discovery, the difference between season one and season two is also jarring. Not least because the, star, the Klingons apparently decided to grow their hair exactly. back, and they all went down and got some Party City wigs because the things look terrible. <laughs> they look terrible. They do, and you know, it was just so convenient that line where oh, the um, uh, the Klingons have decided to grow their hair back after the war. And I was like, really? Did you have Yo. to say and that? Like, it's been, thank you. You know? Thank you. And hasn't it only been like nine months to a year? You didn't get those silky weaves, <laughs> you know, in nine months to a year. <laughs> you know, like, come on. Yeah. Come, come on. <laughs> Worf's hair grew from one season to the other. Well, Worf's wig also used to drive me up the <laughs> wall. I was just like, y'all spend so much money on this show. Can you spend... A dollar ninety-five more on a legitimate hairline because this is fucking with my suspension of disbelief. But anyways, we'll come back to that during uh, this week's hair report. Um, I want to move into. I know we're jumping from from you know plot point to plot point, but that's really what the episode did. Like there were so many, you know. That's 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 what's going on. Um, Burnham and Amanda. Now I. One of the reasons why I was so excited to get you on the show is because as a Spock historian, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get your opinion about something that's been troubling me since the uh Discovery debuted. Namely, that I think the show would have been better served if Michael Burnham were fostered by a different Vulcan family, not Sarek's family. And here's why. Because he still could, he could have been a mentor, you know, um, she could have been close to Spock growing up. But I think the fact that she, you know, ostensibly grew up in that household makes it hard for me to believe that in the future Star Trek we know, we would never have heard of Spock's foster sister, Michael Burnham who apparently, via her mutiny, instigated, you know, a huge part of the Federation Klingon War. I'm just like, what? And, you know, several people who are as, and I want to thank the people who took the time to hit me up on Twitter about this. Several people wrote to me and said, yeah, but what about like Cyborg, you know, like Spock's brother? We don't learn about him. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But I'm not saying that Spock necessarily would have mentioned Michael. I'm saying it strains credulity that no one would ever have like a passing mention would have been made. Like, right. oh, that's fine. Ain't that, ain't that the dude who like his sister kicked off the clay? Like it was only, it just, it, 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 it's broken my brain. It has completely broken my brain. But then I also went deep into conspiracy town as if these people actually exist outside of, you know, CBS all access. And I was like, yo, Spock had them unresolved issues with his sister, this black human woman. Didn't resolve that shit. That's why he's got to work it out with Uhura. <laughs> and people are like, Ebony, you are crazy. <laughs> Ebony, you need to speak to a professional about this. And I was like, but okay, let's leave all that behind. Amanda and uh, and Burnham. Okay. First of all, I, I'm uh, uh, 
the woman they have playing um, Amanda looks very much like uh, Jane Wyatt, the the original mm-hmm. uh, Amanda Grayson from, yeah. from uh, Journey to Babel. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But I am distracted by how young she looks. Okay. Same. So if um, the Spock is around probably 30, um, mm-hmm. Burnham is probably 32, 35. Why yeah. does Amanda look like she's 37? <laughs> okay. So that's okay. distracting. <laughs> okay. For right. Because she's yeah. human. Because she's right? human. You know, like she's not vulgar. Right. She should look older than Burnham, and she doesn't. They look the same age. And I. I, you know, I, I don't quite know what to make of, I, Amanda in this series feels superfluous, almost. She's, it's, it's almost like they're shoehorning her into uh, the story. I, I'm just not into her. I mean, I, I, I don't know why. I can't speak on it because I, I, I ignore her when I'm watching the show. There's a, there was another piece, um, uh, there was a line in the episode um, where they talk about Burnham running away at some point. And mm-hmm. Amanda, you know, I hate when a series or a book, they, they, I don't even know what this is called. Uh, they, they throw in a line that explains everything. Oh God, this show and the ham, the ham fisted exposition in this show, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I feel like they, they they put Amanda in this episode just to bring up the whole uh, Burnham ran away from home to uh, hide from or avoid the logic extremists. And that is also the reason that Burnham and Spock's relationship is, is what it is, because she had to distance herself from him. He was her little shadow, she said. And the only way to keep him safe from the logic extremists. I'm, I'm trying to remember if those, if that was the terrorist group from uh, the Enterprise series that um, to Paul's mother was involved. Do you remember that? I This is the very first time I, I, I've heard of that logic extremists. Um, it sounds ridiculous. Oh, maybe it was, yeah. oh, oh, in the, in the, in the first series. Season, first, yeah, in yeah, the first, first season, season of this. Didn't yes, they yes, yes, that, that one that tried to assassinate Sark. Okay, all right. But whatever. I mean, I just, it, it felt very ham-fisted to me. Um, yeah, I was oh, just, oh, 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 and if Amanda is smart enough and slick enough to steal Spock's medical records, how come she's mm-hmm. not smart enough to decrypt it? Because did they just have it laying around? Listen. How about this? How about this? If she's smart enough to have stolen those medical records, how was she not smart enough to have picked up on the fact that her two children have apparently been feuding for upwards of 25 years? Don't speak to each other because Spock has essentially written Burnham out of his life. And she's like, this is news to me. I just thought you were both so busy. Bitch, what? (laughs) This is the first time it's come up? Come on. Come on. I mean, but still, I at least was, I'm not going to lie. When the ship appeared and we expected to be Sark 
you know, beaming aboard. The fact that it was not him, but was Amanda, I was low-key grateful mm-hmm. for because I have gone on record as saying, and I know you and I disagree on this, I'm not into this version yeah. of Sark. I'm just not. I don't know if it's because like nostalgia um, has colored my perceptions and dictated my expectations of what Sark should be like. That probably is it. I have nothing against that actor. Um I just, yeah, I'm not into this version of Sark. In the same way that I'm not into this version of Pike, and I never will I be, cannot. And I, y'all can quit. I don't like this. It's Pike. not, no. You know, I am not nope. buying his aw shucks stick. You know, I play by the rules. Um, you know, I had to follow regulation and, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not buying it. When uh, the annoying poltergeist, what's Tilly's little ghost's name again? May. May says, he's an imposter. I'm like, ooh, another ham-fisted clue. And I'm going to be very upset if we have yet another fake captain on Discovery. I I, I will be too. (laughs) I will be too. Unless that means that we get uh, evil Lorca back. Because as much as as that made me um, holler, and break down in hysterics uh, last season. I would not mind having just like evil conniving Lorca back if we get. If- I thought Lorca was very interesting, and um, I I hope that uh, we have not seen the last of him. But this Pike, I love Anson Mount, so handsome, very Starfleet looking captain kind of guy. But that you know. I, that I, honest Boy Scout bullshit, I can't deal. I can't. I don't like that. There, he is a very attractive person, um, but he's the sort of Starfleet senior officer who would appear um, as a guest star on an mm-hmm. episode and then go away. Mm-hmm. You know, he he wouldn't be the the lead and. In the hypothetical Star Trek series um, that only shows in my mind, right? Because he does not have the kind of magnetic um, energy or charisma that all Star Trek captains to date have had. Even ones that I was not particularly drawn to. Like, I'm not interested in um, in Voyager, but nevertheless, I recognize that when Janeway is on screen, I'm watching Janeway. Right. And when she gives a command, like, yes, that is the voice of command. In the same way that I believed Picard as a captain, you know, I believed Kirk as a captain. I believed in Cisco as a commander. I don't, I don't see that from Pike. He just seems too much like a fill-in, which is, you know, literally what he is. And I I just don't buy um, that he has an air of command. And so he seems superfluous, you know, ancillary to requirements. Like, put Saru exactly. back in the Exactly. You know, it would, it, it would serve Pike better if he were back on the Enterprise and we saw him occasionally as they are trying to figure out yes. the seven signals, which is actually the, the title of the album uh, the first album of the Klingon Babyheads, uh, uh, so mm-hmm. the, the Seven Signals. Nice, you like that? nice, man. We are gonna sell. We're gonna I sell so, so many records, and then the band is gonna break up, and they'll do like a Where Are They Now? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And they'll do like a Searching for Sugarman exactly. documentary. I, I, I call dibs on being found behind a dumpster. All right. Well, if that's the way you want to go out, I absolutely. 
um, am going to be kicking back in my um, my beach house in Malibu because somehow I will have stolen all of the like um, the the songwriting credits. So I'll be sitting on that fat bank, but you'll die exactly. in poverty. But I'll be more celebrated than you because uh, I'll be dead. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, well, you know what? I'll take them. Okay. Anyway, so here's okay. the other thing about so, Pike listen. that makes me distrust him because he's so shiny. You know, he, he's like a magazine cover. Um, is that he is uh, an, another really heavy-handed uh, exposition, almost exposition, when uh, Captain Diego of uh, Starbase Five comes on and says, "Pike, you and my avoid." Uh, um, Grandmother, he said it in Spanish, and mm-hmm. I don't want to butcher the um, the word. Uh, are the only two who still use uh, screens to communicate, and it's like, oh, I, it'll be the second to the last episode of the season, and everybody's gonna go, oh yeah, remember when Diego said that Pike only used the screen? There's something there too. I'm, I was wondering what that meant. Like, what? How else would you communicate? The holograms, like how. That was actually a very cool shot where that's, that starts off, you know, with the holograms and then the screen is split, whatever. We've, 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 we've talked way too much by which I mean, I've talked way too much. Let's get into um, another one of my new segments. So sometimes we want to talk about things that happen in an episode that make no sense are so absurd, we just can't stop thinking about them. So let's go over a few that are the most noteworthy from this episode. And I got like five of them shits. Uh, Francine, what did you see in this week's episode that made you think, hmm, highly illogical? You like that? I like that. that. Hey, there you go. Uh Uh-huh. Highly Highly illogical. illogical. Man, I do the best impressions. I think uh, what was highly illogical for me was uh, how s- <laughs> that how they discovered uh, what May really was. Stamets comes and he points that yeah. same thing that Tilly used to get her little piece of that. Yeah, points it was that. The, it looked like the same device to me. You know, it de- listen, girl. Those props those are expensive. Props are expensive. expensive. But you know, it didn't. It I couldn't forgive it. Like I can could forgive. Uh, the original series when you could see them reusing, uh, but I, I, I didn't under I didn't understand that um, how he so quickly figured it out. Like Tilly is bright, Burnham is bright. Why didn't they think? Let's go to sick bay and see if there's something inside you. I mean, that would have been the first stop, right? Then why do we have to wait for Stamets? Um, and also, I, I didn't get enough of uh, Saru this episode either, by the way. And we can talk about that later. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very concerned. Um, obviously, next week is going to be a Saru-heavy episode. I'm, um, you know, I know they're not going to take my sweet they Saru better away from not. me. If they do, I'm going to storm the gates of CBS Paramount. And that's that on that. Um, my highly logical. Illogical. Illogical. Thank you. Um, I've already talked about one. Why is everyone's wig so bad? You know, it seems to me y'all could spend a little bit more money um, hooking up the Klingons' wigs. And it's a profound disrespect to um, a proud people. Yes, so, you know, I mean, I'm from Oakland. I can take them to the very shop they need to go to to get the right hair. Okay. 
Okay. You know, twenty nine ninety nine. You ain't even got to spend <laughs> a lot of money, but you do need to spend more than five dollars <laughs> down at Party City because those wigs were cracking me up, and the mustaches. Yes, anyway. you know, Burnham Terrace one. is. Um, I'm I'm struggling with two. Uh, we're going to go over that in the hair report coming up because I do have many thoughts as I do every week about Burnham's hair. Uh, But my second highly illogical thing, why didn't a Wosakun punch Captain Pike right in his face when he called her Owu? Like he gave her a nickname I was not cool with. Dude, don't ever, don't ever in your life, don't ever Fix your mouth to call a black person out their name with some nickname you came up with. Even if you hear someone else calling them that nickname, you wait till you've been given permission. And I want to see that permission given before I'm called with Pike calling her. No, her name is. Did she give him a look when he did that? No, she didn't. And that's why I was like, nah, uh-uh, I'm not with it. I was like, I was about to dive through my screen. Uh, my last one is, okay, so the Red Angel uh, that is popping up, somehow connected to the Seven Signals, whatever. Is this supposed to be like a deliberate Red Dragon, Thomas Harris, Silence of the Lambs, illusion because that image that hallucination of the red angel you know obviously it looks like what is it vitruvian man or whatever but also it looks very similar to um red dragon the red dragon painting Mm -hmm. from william blake which is a huge part of the red dragon book by thomas harris like and the thing is called red angel i'm have people talked about this? I, I, I try not to um, do too much reading ahead of a, a, an episode because I don't want to, you know, be led down um, a way of, you know, interpretation that perhaps I wouldn't have arrived at on my own. But let me know if, if other people have talked about this and if this is deliberate or if it's one more thing. Where well, I'm you know, this. I think, you know, there's always been the uh, um, uh, Gene Roddenberry uh, was not a believer, but there was always a very mm-hmm. strong sort of uh, almost Judeo-Christian thread, you know, running through from the original series. There were always these sort of, um, I can never say this word, omniscient, super uh, aliens um, that would come in and fix things. You saw it. That mm-hmm. We saw the Metreon with uh, in the original series in uh, Arena mm-hmm. that brought Kirk and mm-hmm. the Gorn um, and into battle so that they wouldn't yeah. destroy each other. And then with the Klingons, there were the Organians. And the only reason the Klingons right. and the, and and the Federation had peace is because Organ- the Organians were gonna uh, they wouldn't let them fight. So I'm just wondering, and then then there, you know, that you had a a, a super uh, race in um, Next Generation with with Q and a couple of others at Voyager. Mm-hmm. You had um, the uh, uh, that guy that was always the groundskeeper. The, the form he took was the groundskeeper. What were oh, they called? Right, 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 Whatever right, they were right, called. Right. I think they. The, I think there yeah. even was one in. Um, oh, and you had. The, the people in the wormhole at, at Deep Space Nine, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what they had for. Um, oh, you had Kess in Voyager. Eventually, you know, gr- grew into this super 
Um, right. But uh, so that's what I, I, I think it's harking back to that. Um, it's going to be some um, like some super alien race um, might be like Q uh, might be like Trelane. If Q appeared on this show, if we got even a hint of a scintilla of a little dabble do ya of John mm-hmm. Delancey, I would, be you know, so what? Happy. I, I don't think Q would bother with these people. I don't think so either. But if there was like, and I also don't want a, you know, um, I don't, I don't know how you would get John Delancey because obviously it's been, you know, 25 years, mm-hmm. 30 years that the man is clearly aged. You know, I don't know how Q would explain that, but now that you put that in my brain, sorry, um, I want it. Yeah. Make it, make it okay. so. All right. Uh, before we wrap up the show this week, let's finally get into it. I would be remiss if I didn't hook y'all up with this week's hair report. <laughs> um, okay. So my thoughts this week are, uh, once again, the hair and costuming people don't seem to want to know whether they want Burnham's hair to be 4C or 4B. <laughs> we got a lot of both in this episode. And I really want someone... I, I don't know for sure, but I I really feel as if there needs to be closer attention paid and continuity because you can tell um, when certain episodes were filmed, because, you know, everything's filmed out of sequence. It's not done linearly, right? You can tell when shit was filmed based upon how Burnham's hair looks in that scene. And it's distracting because I'm like, listen, highly textured hair does not go from like twist out stretched coils down to like, you know, um, thick sort of, you know, coily kinky hair back and forth, you know, from one minute to the next. So someone needs to be paying attention <laughs> to Burnham's hair. Cause I can tell you, I can tell you it's like, Oh, scene one, scene 17, scene 34, scene 21. Those were all filmed. And then, you know, you filmed the rest of these things. It's, it's, it's distracting to me. Yes. Work it out. It's like they use that. What is that? Yeah. That black gel that you could buy. Uh, so and yeah. it's like, honey, your edges are the least of your worries. <laughs> right. But so I was, I was actually really happy to see those, those little curls in her kitchen. Um, but it seems to me they are, so they're slowly moving away from the, the more severe style with Burnham, right? Like they're giving her more, um, more height in the, uh, on the top mm-hmm. and in the front. Um, they are trying to show more defined curls there. I think we are going to start to see more of um, Sonequa Martin-Green's own hair coming through. I think what is happening, because I don't know what's going on with the sides of her hair. I truly it's do It's like not they know. can't decide. I think what we're looking at here, no, they can't decide. I think what we're looking at here is like one of those, um, oh, I can't remember the name of what it's called, but it's, it's a wig and you just have leave out a, on top. A half wig. Yeah, like a half wig. Thank you. Like it's a custom half wig. No, it's honey. Um, it is. Not, it's not custom because you can see. Uh, you can see the the wig lift up in the back. Uh, in those. Uh, in the kitchen. But, well, right, but I mean, like custom in that, like they've clearly cl- cut out like a uh, certain areas to try and mold it to her head. Um, but. And and also like her hairline shifts. We got. To, I just wish someone was just on Burnham hair duty. I'm happy to take on that role for not very much money. And, Call me and CBS. And Sonequa should know better too. I think she probably has so much else uh-huh. to worry about. That's probably true. 
You know, that she's like, listen, yeah. And she's also probably like, listen, these people are ready to, you know, mutiny any minute now with having a black woman on screen this often week by week. Um, So some battles are not mine to fight, but Shanika, I will, I will fight those battles for you. They're doing you (laughs) wrong, girl. (laughs) Sometimes you look so good and sometimes it's just confusing. So I'm giving this week. It was confusing to me, but I really liked, you know, the height they're giving her in front. I'm going to go ahead and give her a B for for this week's hair report. You can agree with me or not. Doesn't matter. I'm the one on the show. All right. Let's finish up by giving our respective ratings for this episode. Francine, Ensign Third Class, where you calm down on this episode. What's my scale? One to ten? One to five? Whatever you Um, want. I, You know, I'm going to go my scale, the standard one to ten. I'm going to give this one... Uh, 6.5 because it was it was it, it was doing too much it was very confusing yeah um i'm gonna have to watch it again to catch everything and um but i will give uh the baby head a 10 out of 10 Tickling <laughs> baby head. oh that's right and our first album yes. is gonna be platinum um, you know what? I agree. I'm, I'm giving it a 6.5 too. I was interested mm-hmm. throughout, but I did just feel like there was way too much going on. Um, and so none of the storylines got the time um, that they mm-hmm. really could have used. So could have been better. Definitely not one of Discovery's worst. So I want to give a shout out to um, Tag Notaro uh, as the Jet Reno. Oh my God. I can't wait for her to come back. I love her work as a, a comic, and she's just cool. You know, she's just really cool. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. we'll see more of her. Awesome. Um, all right, that's it for this week. Join us next week and every week to see what's up on the USS Discovery and whether Anita can find the will to keep going. Of course she will, because I will make her. Uh, And hey, if you like the show or our main show, Feminist Frequency Radio, help us keep making it. Head over to d.rip slash femfreak to become a show backer and get access to exclusive perks or use the transporter to head to feministfrequency.com to make a one-time but very appreciated donation. If you would like to support the show, but you don't have any gold press latinum, we would still love for you to rate and review it so it's easier to other folks to find it. Big thanks go out to our producer, Taylor Simmons, and Sarah Norales for technical support, and Ray Avela for design and wizardry. Francine, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and actually give the people some legit Star Trek <laughs> knowledge. I have loved having thanks you Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, everybody. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>